welcome back to Indie Discovery, RPS's indie game podcast. Blimey O'Reilly, is it episode five already? And this week, we'd like our listeners to get to know us a little bit better. So we'll be discussing our ultimate favourite indie games, two picks per person. The six games we've chosen will be given the coveted spot in what we're calling the Indie Discovery Vault, a place where only the most prestigious indie games may go, as chosen by the Indie Discovery team. Speaking of team, as always, I'm joined by Video Bud Liam. Blimey O'Reilly. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> it was you at the moment. Guides Lass Rebecca. Hello! And me, Reviews Ranger Rachel. Um... <laughs> We're Hello. recording this on a Wednesday, not a Friday, but I feel like the Friday vibes might Rachel, be kicking at some Rachel, point. Rachel, it's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the vibes are wrong. The vibes are <laughs> so wrong off. already. So off. So people close. are pale, people are yeah, so going far. away. Oh. <laughs> it was a great intro, though. It was, really it was a it. great intro, and I think that it was, a it. Great, it was a great mood setter as well yes it was i very much enjoyed that oh i'm so sorry you thought it was wednesday is it better or worse that it's actually thursday well i know i've got tomorrow off so i mean me and rebecca have tomorrow off so it didn't really matter it's just i thought yeah fair yeah who cares what day it is (laughs) everything blends into one we're not coming in tomorrow exactly (laughs) so yeah today we'll be talking about our favorite indie games of only which there'll be two per person so Mm. guys how long did it take you both to decide on your top two or two just to talk about today like was it instant or did you kind of have to think about it top two was was instant instant. yeah okay you were the same then yeah yeah, okay um, any anything beyond two i would have really struggled i had a long list of about 20 yes but i knew what my top two were straight away and then Incredible. if you'd asked for a third one, I would have I would have been like calling you in the middle of the night in tears, sort of not able to make a decision. <laughs> so I'm glad we went with two. Yeah, two felt like the, the sweet spot, I think. Yeah. What about you, Rachel? Did it take you long? Uh the first one, no, I knew instantly. The second one, I feel like I had like a couple. But then I was like oh, right, okay. But then I don't know, one just pulls away, you know. You're just like, nah, this is the one. So to be fair, it didn't I thought it would take me ages, but it didn't. Yeah. Because I think I'm with you, Rebecca. I think if we'd gone for more than two, I would have been in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Deep trouble. Because It's the second that you start to do a longer list. I had the same problem last year when we had to do our uh, rankings for Game of the Year. And by the time you get to like eight or nine, you're putting things like Sonic Frontiers on that list and you're just embarrassing <laughs> yourself. So I... Oh, yeah, two was fine. <laughs> hey, I yeah, will you stand are. by Sonic Frontiers. Hey, we, it's no shame <laughs> in loving Sonic Frontiers, and we know you did. So. <laughs> uh, I'm not on trial here, but I, I, I actually did the opposite with the two. I, I thought of two immediately and then doubted the second option. And if it wasn't for Rachel being like, slow down, you know you two, stick with them. Let's not go any further. Mm. I, I would have just like probably changed them constantly, but I've gone with my my heart choices for the top two. Uh, yeah. And also this is a, a longer exercise, right? Our idea is we'll keep revisiting this idea. We'll keep throwing things in the vault. Yes, the vault. And eventually create the uh, definitive list of best indie games that cannot be questioned by anyone, not even God, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. God is dead. Also like... <laughs> Five minutes in. Oh, this is all over the place already. 
<laughs> I made the decision to have a caffeinated drink before this, so that Ooh, might, oh, wow. I didn't think it would be kicking in as much as it does, but you know. I love this. Incredible. What yeah. what caffeinated drink did we go for? Just oh just a coffee, but I, I looked at because I obviously I got tomorrow off, so that's like a three day weekend. I've bought a yeah. relentless energy drink. And Ooh. I'm I'm going to chug that at some point. At one point during the weekend, I'm gonna do I'm gonna chug it and like play a game because so I didn't go for that. That could have been worse. I've just gone for some instant coffee, but it could have been a lot worse. That's amazing. Chugging a random relentless in your own home has big like gremlin energy, and I'm all here for it. It's amazing. <laughs> but uh yeah, so this vault, right? So mm, I yeah. I kind of I don't know what you guys imagine, but for me it's like this like big almost like comically sized like bank vault that's oh, like yeah. golden so with yeah, the yeah, um yeah. with the um what's it called like a a turn handle like a valve valve yes exactly like a yeah, valve, valve yeah. and it's like bigger than my head and like we have to proper turn it to open it like oh and then we go in and there's yeah. like there's like little categories oh there's like best indies here maybe horror games here and it, right now it's like empty and it's gonna Ooh, and we're like gonna that. fill it slowly that's like the mental image i have of the indiscovery vault like i, love I it. want it to be i like that your mental image was organized because my mental image was <laughs> it was just a big empty like pit in the earth and the idea is, is that we'll fill it to eventually dive into it like scrooge mcduck to swim amongst the indie games i mean why not both i'm sure that we can that is you can combine these two ideas in a way that pleases everyone <laughs> what so we go in and it's organized and then we yes. tip them into a pool effectively mm, that's the thing I, I i imagine one of us holding a physical copy and frisbeeing it into this pit as hard as we can you are the chosen one <laughs> just into the pit I like if by describing it as a pit, we're like undoing the uh, like the prestigiousness of a vault. It's like, oh, this is a vault where your indie game is elevated to greatness. But once it's in there, it's just a big muddy hole in the ground that we throw it into. Yes. <laughs> Chaotic. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I also imagined a big comedy vault. Mm. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Like it takes all three of us. Oh, yeah. And a golden glow comes out when the door opens. <gasps> yes. And we're bathed in light. Ooh. I like Ooh. it. <laughs> this, this vault is just fucking amazing. This, this is great. Is the best. <laughs> so let's talk about our first entry into our Indiscovery vault. So Liam, why don't we start with you and your first choice? Oh, am I going first? Well, my first choice is Paradise Killer. Before I start talking about Paradise Killer, Rebecca, have you played this? I haven't yet, no. I have been 
told I will adore it and it is it is on my list of things to move on to once I've rinsed Danganronpa for all it's worth because it's kind of in the same vein <laughs> as I understand it. Yeah, I think it, it shares a similar space. Uh, my goal of this conversation then is to convince you to play it. I, I mean, I think I own it, so I will definitely Even play better. it at some point. <laughs> I own <laughs> it. I only own like 250 games, so, you know, I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> in 2053, uh, you'll finally play So Paradise Killer is by Kaizen Gameworks. It's the first game by that studio. I think they're Scottish. It's a murder mystery that combines visual novel elements within the scope and structure of an open world game. I think it would not be reductive to describe it as an open world Phoenix Wright oh, in yeah. many, many ways. This pleases me. <laughs> oh, it's it's. It, this is why I'm like thinking this is a Rebecca game through and through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so to give you a brief summary of the story, you play as a character called Lady Love Dies. You're an investigator who's released from a ridiculously long period of exile to solve a murder on Paradise, which is an island that exists within a pocket dimension. Paradise is ruled by this upper class of people who are immortal and have created Paradise to resurrect dead gods and they kidnap humans from the real world and then feed on their belief to try and resurrect their gods but when the island gets infested by demons they basically kill all the humans destroy the island recreate the island and this has happened 24 times i think so you uh, were released from exile when the upper class are murdered uh, behind a locked door and paradise has just failed so it's infested by demons they've killed all of the humans and you are let loose on this island to try and solve out who done the murder and it is absolutely phenomenal it is so strange as a murder mystery game because it's so unrooted from reality by setting this mystery in a world that is completely nonsensical. The game is as much about trying to understand the rules of this island as it is to actually find out who killed the upper class. So you can go anywhere, you can talk to anyone. It's a first-person game in a 3D world. The Island of Paradise is very odd. It's got these, like, crystalline statues Mm. that are right next to, like, Japanese-style little villages. Um, supermarkets and weird vending machines that shout at you as you walk past. Uh, The currency is blood. (laughs) It's like crystallized blood. Um, All of the characters are really like odd. There's like a hot skeleton who is just like, he's like a bartender. Um, There's a goat headed woman. Um, There's a very attractive Scottish man with robot arms. And yeah, the whole point of the game is to talk to people, find clues, and the uh, sort of like the gimmick of the game is that you can actually end it at any point. And as long as you like can give a case as to who you think did it, the game will accept that and end. So you can initiate the court sequence. You can do it straight away, to be honest. Like as soon as you boot up the game, you can be like, you know what? I know who did it. And you can just present the argument that you were given at the very start. So even though there is a, a full solution, you don't have to find that if you don't want to. If you think, you know what, I think this is who did it, you can just go present that and then that can be your ending. Um, But I think the thing I really love about Paradise Killer is the vibes. It is just this beautiful thing to spend time with, yeah. Um, It looks like a Dreamcast game directed by Suda51. Um, It has like a distinct visual style that could be loosely described as Vaporwave. Mm. Character art is beautiful. They're like a bit like Danganronpa. Um, Again, just focusing all of this to Rebecca. Um, (laughs) 
the yes. the characters are like 2D like static images in the world um which gives it this really again just like amplifies the weirdness and the music which is by Barry Epoch Topping I want to say wow what a name I think it goes by Epoch oh the music is so good it's like so good just a mix between like Japanese pop and vaporwave and like it just feels like a summer holiday constantly and I think that's why this game I think the game like really emotionally resonates with me because I played it um I used to run like a little uh personal YouTube channel where I used to review indie games before I started here and um it was during the pandemic and I got a review key a few weeks before it came out and it was over the summer. It was like August 2020. You know, hadn't been out of the house, hadn't had this opportunity to go anywhere. And this game just landed in my lap and it just felt like the summer holiday that I needed. Aww. It was just like this wonderful, warm adventure. And I've got such lasting memories of sitting playing this on my desk, just like on those long, warm summer evenings, just soaking it in. Um, and every time I listen to the soundtrack now, it just really takes me back to that time. And this is just like an absolutely incredible first goal by kaizen gameworks and i can't wait to see what they do next and yeah god what a game it, it's just one of my all-time favorites yeah it definitely deserves a place in this vault <laughs> couldn't agree more also well done for summing up what is a batshit crazy story in paradise Kid. Yeah. like just like getting to grips with like yeah how the syndicate works and who is who and like the history and the you know yeah, that was a yeah. really great summary. I was so impressed. I was like, oh yeah, that does happen, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> I had to read a bit about it before. Uh, <laughs> I played through it twice, but even then I had to be like, what? I forgot the word syndicate, for instance, until you've mentioned it. They're the upper class, aren't they? They're called mm. like the syndicate. I have like a really weird relationship with this game because I played the demo like, I don't know, half a year before and I hated the demo. I was like, this is really? so boisterous. This is so loud. I don't understand yeah. what's going on. And then it release, releases, I play it again. And yeah, hands down, one of the best detective games on PC, if not the best. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. If not for another game coming up later. Um, oh, <laughs> ooh, hello. <laughs> but um, yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. Like, it's such a, like, especially for the detective genre, which can be really bogged down. Like, we all love Sherlock. We all love, you know, that kind of character mm. archetype. But this is so refreshing in terms of like, yeah. we're not in like any sort of like a city where it never stops raining, like a an alcoholic like guy just like boozing it up and like, oh, I'm like yeah. super intelligent. Like, absolutely not. Paradise Color is unashamedly queer. It's bright. It's colorful. Yeah, it's just a, for the detective genre, it's like nothing I've ever played. Love it. And yeah, that soundtrack is banging. Oh, the soundtrack so, is so good. So it's good. Like, own it on vinyl like the uh wanker Ooh. that i am it's just how much i love it it's just oh what a beautiful thing to own on vinyl as well it just sounds phenomenal oh, what's the front cover like is it really cute as well is it like vaporwave i mean they didn't see it it's actually there behind me so it's not good podcasting but it's <laughs> um they got oh, an artist to do it. it in like 90s japanese oh. anime style so it's lady love dies in a completely different visual style and yeah, it has uh, Best Boy Shinji on all of the vinyl as well. Who is oh, of a, course, yeah. Uh, he's a demon who uh, stalks you throughout the island, uh, has a horrible laugh, is constantly giving you the middle finger, and uh, has a little s smiley face over his junk, so you can't see it. It's very <laughs> he's got funny. his junk out. <laughs> all the time. 
Yeah, what a game. Rebecca, you need to play. Yeah, I do. I mean, I appreciate the personalised recommendation. Everything about this game does sound exactly my sort of thing. Yeah, it's it was already pretty high on my to play list. It's it's gone a little higher after this conversation, oh, I've got to admit. Good. So yeah. Yeah, the um the, the goat lady, Crimson Acid, you're gonna love her. You're gonna love her. <laughs> she's she's my favourite. She's incredible. And I, I romanced her when I played it. Oh, okay. Nice. Because I romance like, options. <laughs> Could it be any more perfect? <laughs> I know. She's in this really cute outfit and she's like the one who like gives you like kind of inside secrets and all the goss to everyone on the island. And I'm just like, I love you. I love you. And also she's like the god, the um, the human's idol, right, Liam? She's like, they all like yeah. worship her as like an idol, but like idol is also in like the Japanese sense of like a pop idol as well. So I love that kind yeah. of play on words. And yeah, it's just, it's really great. The way like faith is represented in the game is really interesting. Yeah. So because she's picked by a god to be the human's idol they give her a goat head so mm. it's got like that like almost like old testament style religious elements to it and like there's these huge pyramids where the gods are sleeping and yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's really like chewy as a game and like i say just being like what what why do they worship this or how does this work like the game has thought of it and has executed it and you can just find and discover it and be like oh that's weird <laughs> that's really odd yeah but it's just great fun to do just brilliant i love this game so much i could talk about it all day and i do <laughs> not want to do it so please someone else give me their first pick <laughs> yes let's move on to rebecca tell oh, us okay. <laughs> well i feel like you you came in very eloquent and with with a well-made case for your game and i feel like i've come in just deciding to wing it completely and now i'm a little bit self-conscious but let's go for it because my first pick is monster prom yeah important to me because it is possibly the first really indie game that I played or that I knowingly played as a as a very very indie game in that I I never really paid much attention at the time before I sort of started working in the industry to to what was coming out as AAA what was AA what was indie but um Monster Prom was something that I started paying attention to because a lot of YouTubers that I like started covering it um, and before mm. that, I'd never really paid attention to visual novels or dating sims at all. Um, and now obviously oh, they're okay. among my favourite things. So I've got yeah, Monster that's Prom so surprising for getting me yeah, getting me wow. into all that. I feel like we're getting some like Rebecca Law. <laughs> like this was the yeah. beginning. <laughs> this was yes. the start of your love affair with visual novels, queer yeah, it, romances, and all that. It really yeah. was. It was the, definitely the start of my of my love affair with visual novels that now just extends into so many different areas of my life. And um, yeah, it's it's hard to look back, even though it was only about five years ago, and think about like my first impressions and what got me so hooked. And I think it's fair to say that it was the characterization because mm. yeah, I was I was just sort of watching this this video because it was a YouTuber that I liked had had picked up on this game and was was following it. And I I don't know. I feel like. Another another bit of Rebecca Law, if you will, is that mm. I um, I, w I would not I don't know 
I don't want to describe myself too much as a snob, but I think I used to be a bit of a graphic snob. In oh, really? my in my sordid past, I was very, very invested in the ideas of like fully 3D games, um, you know, things in quite photorealistic environments. And then slowly I got back into more stylistic games through Telltale. And then I started um, engaging with like preview content for Monster Prom and I saw how great static images and static sprites could look. And then mm. I was fully in on that sort of level of of stylization and it cured me of my of my snobbery quick <laughs> so I'll say like, yeah, thank, thank you monster prom for, for making me a better person than i was before um wow. yeah i mean it was just i i knew what visual novels were before but i i sort of i think the only one that i'd ever really seen was the um did you know that there's a silent hill play novel which is kind of a visual novel of silent hill one no oh this is the game boy advance game right yeah yeah and um i yeah. kind of i knew of it and i was like it's not it's not great to be honest if you've got any <laughs> access to silent hill one which i think anyone who has access to that will have <laughs> and so that was kind of my impression of visual novels and it was not a very positive impression um so to go from like having yeah. just ignored this whole genre for sort of like the the 10 years or whatever since i became aware of that to seeing this really well produced and like funny and visually appealing um dating sim really really turned my head obviously because it's it's just redirected one of my major interests in such a huge way yeah but yeah it's it's such a huge thing as well because monster prom is now the third game came out late last year i think the third game in the series they've got three more games planned so for an indie visual novel it's become quite a sprawling franchise um yeah. and it was actually hard to pick oh. which one i would want to to put in our vault because um i think personally the third game is my favorite so far oh, okay. i really enjoyed the third game but i think that for the vault for the the change it made to my tastes i will put the first one in the vault for now because also i do think that you gain a lot more appreciation of the characters and the context and the stories if you play from the beginning right okay it's hard to know though when when you're done playing monster prom because the whole idea behind it is that every playthrough is only an hour or two and that you replay it dozens of times to see all the different outcomes and endings or you know as many times as you mm. want i'm sure that they i'm sure that if you stop at like five or six they're not going to be they're not going to be mad at you but yeah <laughs> true when you first played it did you play it multiplayer or like single player because that's the cool thing about it right it's like a oh, multiplayer. yes game. yeah it's it's the only multiplayer visual novel that i can think of certainly the only officially yeah. multiplayer yeah, visual novel i think there might be there might be one or two others because i think that they they actually drew some inspirations from something called the 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 Yerv, not the Yerva. That's definitely oh the Yorg, the Yorg. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that is Deathloop. I apologise. It's been a while. It's been a long day. The Yorg. Yeah. Why a Is it a U G or W? Oh, sorry. W-G? Oh yes, it could be a W actually. Which is a, a another game. So I should acknowledge that is another another game that did mm. multiplayer visual novel style uh, adventure game, um, which was apparently a big influence on Monster Prom. Okay, um, but there aren't there aren't many games that do this certainly, and yeah, I I generally play Monster Prom in multiplayer. Actually, I very rarely play multiplayer games ah. outside of work. But Monster Prom, my partner and I usually play it together because it's just such a fun, Aww. fun little thing. It's it it adds an extra level of I don't know what to say. Like there's a tension to it, but there's also an amusement to it because the idea is that you and your friends in this multiplayer. It's a dating sim uh, from the title. You probably guess you're trying to date someone at your you're all monsters in a high school you're trying to get a date for the prom the clue is in the title and I, I feel like I'm explaining it a lot when it's pretty clear what the 
what the central hook is. I actually didn't know that was what it was about. I know that sounds really dumb, no, 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 but no, I actually no, didn't realise, yeah. It's um, it, it's hard to, it's sort of hard to, to gauge where people will pick up on the title and, and what the impression yeah. it gives is. But yeah, the idea is you're, you're monsters in a high school. Um, your characters are trying to find dates for the prom. And the idea is that there is like a competitive element if you're playing it multiplayer and so you and your friends might go for the same person. But in practice, what typically happens is there are way more love interests than potential players. And so usually you'll find yourself in a situation where you're interested in different people anyway. And then it becomes quite like a friendly exercise in wingmanning each other. Oh, wow. occasionally, (laughs) Occasionally you'll get these things called like weekend events where you're your friend's love interest will come up to you and be like, hey, I really like your friend and like ask a question about them. And you have the choice whether you want to say something really bad about them and you'll you'll gain like you'll you'll gain the the love interest will like then like you a little bit more if you've managed to talk your friend down, but you'll lose some stats and also like your real life friend who's in the room will like you a little bit less. Oh or my you God. can talk them up and you get a big stat boost and like you're, you've been nice to your friend and you're a good person oh i like how shady that is <laughs> it is quite yeah, that's shady so fun it is it is great fun it is a great party game and it's a surprisingly good party game for a visual novel as well i've played it not just my partner and i play it together quite a lot but i've also played mm-hmm. it with with friends and with family and we've always had a really good time and you said like rounds take about an hour um in, depending on how fast you read um because if you do a lot of silly okay. voices for it like i do then it takes, <laughs> it takes ages sometimes love that but awesome. um, yeah in theory it's like half an hour is a short game i think two hours is the sort of longest game that they estimate and in the mm. most recent one as well they've, they've added um a save function finally so you can you can drop out of nice. your playthrough if it's taking forever yeah it's it's such a nice series and the characters are what really make it though in in the end and i'm mm. always so impressed because it, it did kind of start off with the concept of, of being like a very spoofy dating sim in that everyone's really hot and the end goal is to get into a situation where you see them like tastefully nude in the in the perfect mm-hmm. ending and that's kind of the the gag um but even from the first demos it was really clear that that the writers of beautiful glitch had come to really love those characters and just wanted to give them more like more time to shine and yes that's nice more depth to their stories but to the point where the monster prom 3 is no longer really a dating sim and it still really works it just shows that they're great character studies and there are so many characters there are dozens of characters now to to keep track of and to befriend Mm. and to follow their stories through and like the more you play because it it can all happen in a fairly non-linear way because it's it's all these short runs that you do over and over again you really feel like you're getting to know the characters unsurprisingly there's quite a large fan base around it because it's exactly the sort of thing that attracts a large and devoted fan base yes Um, yeah that is that is my case for monster prom is it is a truly delightful game that might change the direction of your hobbies forever. It does. Uh, yes. I, I think that was a very beautiful way of summarizing a game that, yeah, like you say, literally changed your outlook on mm. a medium as a whole. Mm. Like, yeah, it really I've did. Heard, like, yeah, it's wild. And I've heard so many good things about it, but I've never played it. But for some reason, now knowing that it's like a multiplayer game, that's quite short. Mm. I can totally imagine like bringing some friends around and all of us just like trying to date hot monsters. Like that does sound like a fun thing. It's so fun. And the fun. fact that it is only like an hour. Yeah, yeah. it sounds brilliant. Yeah, I, I've played I it with my mum. It's not probably not something oh! you would do. Not everyone's mum would want to play it, but my mum 
Loved it. Yeah. That, that's good. I, the second you said tasteful nudes, I was like, maybe I won't like play that over Christmas with the farm. Uh, you, you know, you learn which ending path you're on and you can sort of steer, steer it away died. from that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Fair like, enough. oh, let's not, yeah. let's not worry too much about that. <laughs> uh, but we talk about like being a bit snobby. Like I think my, my little bit of snobbiness is party games. Like I just don't really consider oh. them. Like I don't really play a lot of them. Like multiplayer, that's fine. But like think stuff that's like a good party game. Like I wouldn't, I just, for some reason, I'm just like, they're not on the same level as anything with like a story <laughs> or whatever. That's, that's, that's me though. Um, but this sounds like a really good combo of the best of both worlds. Like I like the yeah, characters and the story sounds good. Instead of like mini, I think it's just the mini game aspect of, of like most party games, which I just feel like I don't get along with. I'd rather play mm. something like it takes two or a way out if I'm going to play together yeah. with someone. But yeah, this sounds amazing. So let's open the vault. <laughs> Uh, place it Hoy on it the in. shelf into the pit <laughs> Flick it. I think maybe we need do we, do we need to do that thing where it's like you get one copy for display and one to use and so there's one copy that goes into the sh- into the shelving oh, like unit that. and then another copy goes into the pit that we're going to then swim around in yes I like that idea <laughs> a display case yeah oh or just like a poster or something and that, you know what it's it's doesn't really matter no I like it, it. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't really matter. And then immediately was like, no, it does. It does matter. It does matter. Yeah. One copy to be to be put into the beautiful display case and one for Liam's pit. He's just in the pit. Throw him a copy of Monster uh, Monster Prom and he's happy. You've claimed the pit. The pit is yours. You can have the pit. My my games will be over here in the glass cabinet. The poor Rebecca's just like <laughs> what are you both doing? <laughs> oh no, I'm just trying to trying to decide whether I want to suggest that the is is the pit is the pit like a pool party with the characters from these games, or is it just copies of the games? What is the what is the composition oh. of the pit? That sounds better. In my mind, it's literally just a mud pit, and I'm just sat at the bottom of it, covered in mud. Like it's <laughs> what's that? Just full goblin what's that mud. video of the baby covered in peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> That's ah. you. That's, That's you. me. Yeah. Oh, no. But I do have that energy as a person. So yeah, maybe that is eh. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in your mud pit, surrounded by all your very well curated indie games. If I do, incredible so. indie games. Yes, top tier. Rachel, what's your first pick? My first pick is Return of the Obra Dinn. Song go. I was gonna sing it. No. Is it How does it go? Jaunty, isn't it? Oh my god! I can't even <laughs> sing it. Never mind. No, it's gone. It's gone. Anyway, I'll talk. <laughs> Instead of trying to remember uh, the song, I'll actually maybe talk about the game. Right, Return of the Obra Dinn. So we've already talked about one, you know, pretty incredible detective game. I would say Return of the Obra Dinn is probably, you know, if there were, if there was like a competition or a knockout. For like mm. best best indie detective game, Oberdin and Paradise Killer would would be the top two. Like mm, the uh, final bracket. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Like these two games are phenomenal. And for me, Oberdin slips in just ahead, just because it came out before. I've just played it for longer. I've played it so many times. I've just have a 
I just think it's just a stonking good detective game. So yeah, a little bit about what it's about. You basically play as, it's like 18th century Europe. You play as an insurance um, representative of an insurance company. And you, <laughs> story is so bizarre. A, basically a merchant ship called the Oberdin has, that has come into shore that recently disappeared for like two years. It's now at shore. All the crew are dead. There's no one on board. So you as an insurance person are, are tasked with going on board and finding out what happened to these 60 crew members that were aboard this ghost ship and what their names were and what happened to them. And so the entire game is you basically solving um, 60 mini <laughs> investigations. Yeah, basically what their name is and what happened to them, whether they died, disappeared, left the boat, that kind of stuff. And how this plays out is the ship is entirely explorable. You can go from the top deck, mid deck, lower decks. Um, you'll come across certain points in which, like there'll be a body or something. Uh, and you, on your person, you're, you're given a journal with the whole crew list um, and a photo, but their faces are blurred out. And a mysterious pocket watch when you then approach like a place where a body has been the pocket watch will like kind of like tingle uh you'll activate that and then you're sent back in time to the moment of death or disappearance of that person and what happened to them and it's just such a bizarre weird idea for a detective game that i just honestly think is so cool so yeah you're these 60 different vignettes i'll call them you'll go back in time um, the screen will be black and you'll listen to a short clip of like audio clip of someone saying something, basically the audio of the moment of death. And then on screen, the, the art style is kind of like, um, like in, you're in a 3D space. So there'll be a frozen moment in time when this person, whatever happened to them, and you're free to explore that space. Um, looking at the person from different angles, looking at the floor, looking at who was there, what was happening. And slowly over a period of like, I don't know, I, I finished it in maybe like six hours. You'll finish the game with like a notebook, hopefully filled out with how these si what happened to these 60 people on this ship. And yeah, that's it. It's great. I love it so much. I think what it has in common with Paradise Killer, which I think makes these two detective games really good, is that it kind of leaves you alone. Like, here's what oh, you're doing. Right, okay. mm -hmm. Here's your goal. Now go do it. There's no story kind of pushing you forward. Like ev everything that happens, you find, you initiate. It's very much like everything's happened. The Return of the Oberdin is a cold case. Like these people aren't coming back. It's yeah. been years, so it's just you and the ship and you exploring it. And I just think that's such, one, a great puzzle. Like, it's just like a puzzle box for you at your own pace to work out. Instead of like, I don't know, in different like detective games, it's always like, oh, if you're interrogating someone, there's only these options. There's like, only a certain number of, um, you know, who could have done it. And it's normally usually fairly obvious. Or, oh, can you ask them a certain number of questions? Like, it's all very railroady. Paradise yeah. Killer and Return to the Oberdin just leave you. They're just like, off you go. See you in six hours. Hopefully you'll solve the case or not. Oberdin is similar in that you can finish the game without working out any of like what happened to any of them. 
kind of like with Paradise Killer when you're like, I'm done now. Right. Obi Din is the same. And I'm just, have you, have, so have you both played it or not played it? Who's played it? I haven't. I don't know how I haven't because I have had it owned and installed since about the time it was released. And I still haven't managed to get it to line up quite right because I think part of it is there's so many people I want to play it with. Oh, really? And like, that is just, yeah, trying to, trying to get everyone together. Um, because yeah, I love mysteries. My partner, my dad, both love mystery as well. Oh so my, God. my my feeling has always yeah. been yeah. we should all settle around at some point and work on it together. And you know, mm. pandemic, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and moving around the country, and it's just never really lined up. But it is one I am extremely excited to play at some point. That's interesting that you want to play it with other people because, for me, I also had that thought. I was like, maybe I'll play it with my partner, but it becomes apparent quite quickly that. I don't know. There was something for me that I just wanted to do it on my own, notebook in hand, oh, interesting. like walking around. Because the thing about it is, you'll deduce things that other people will miss, or that. And I, I'm, maybe that's useful, but for me, there's just something about sitting down on my own, headphones on, with a with a. Oh, and you will need a notebook and a <laughs> and a pen. You you cannot like solve this game without <laughs> oh, a detective's two most trusty tools. Um, <laughs> But that's this is the other thing that's really cool about it. Like I said, like you'll notice things, and the way that you deduce what happened to these people is like, it's it really is detective work. Like, okay, so to work out who this person is, I need to work out who they were on the ship. Were they the chef? Were they the bosun? Were they top top people? Um, were they the captain? And so in these vignettes, when you have to like look around. You're looking at uniforms. What items uh, do they have? Where on the ship are they? Because obviously low-key people aren't going to be in the captain's quarters. Mm. Like the accents, because your um, document of everyone has where they're from. And so that audio clue of like, right, accents. There's four Russians on this boat. And Jesus God, I could not work out which Russian was who for the (laughs) longest time. (laughs) Like there are just so many like social, like little clues that, the game just plonks and if you notice them you do if you don't you don't and i just i just think that's so smart i i just i like feeling like i'm actively solving things on my own yeah. like i don't like it when detective games give me stuff mm. like la noir's yeah. like dun dun like when you hold an item i'm currently holding my mouse and i'm like moving it weirdly and yeah, then when you find the right Twisting with the wrist yeah yeah and oh, then when yeah. you find something it zooms in absolutely not like this yeah. game is just like, uh, and another really interesting thing about it is, so the way that you fill out this document is you, um, there's drop down boxes. Everyone has a profile, drop down box with the whole crew. You pick that drop down box with a ridiculous number of, of like options. If they like jumped overboard, if they got stabbed, if they got stabbed, how did they get stabbed? Like there's, you have to be very, like, you can't, bluff your way through the game is what i'm trying to say right okay um but when you think you've got one right the game won't immediately tell you you have to get three people right in a row for it for the game to confirm those three. Oh, oh. that's really interesting yeah that it's really smart because one people can't just like blast through the game and two you there is a certain aspect of process of elimination. Mm-hmm. Like there are some people you will not get unless you work out, right, so those three Russians I've got, so this fourth one must be this guy. Right, there's three uh... women on the ship. I've identified two of them. She has a wedding ring, so she's misses in the dossier. Like 
The amount of mental gymnastics like you have to do to kind of work out who's who. Right. He mentioned, so there's like three people, like he doesn't like being with the animals, but this guy grew up on a farm, so it can't be him. Oh, okay. This guy's in the captain's quarter, so he must be kind of high up. Right. His surname matches her surname. They must be married. Like it's honestly really good. The amount of like effort. I think effort is just the way to say it. Like, I've not put more thinking power uh, into any sort of mystery puzzle game than Return of yeah. the Oberdin. Like, it just, and it just inspires it within you. Like, you're just like, no one's going to solve this but me. So I better get to it. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Here's my question for you, because I haven't played it. Mm. And I'm aware it's a huge blind spot for me. And I mm. think I know that if I did get into it, I'd love it. But it feels too smart for me. I think I'm too much of a big dumb baby to be able to do it. Is it difficult or is it literally just a case of if you just stick with it, eventually you'll uncover the answers naturally through play? So you can play the whole game beginning to end. You can see all the story. You can see all the wild shit that happens in it. Each profile has a difficulty level represented in triangles like little upside down triangles you can do all the easy people first and leave the people with like three triangles to the very end because the game is basically telling you you will not get these until you've gotten these people first so that is human sudoku (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) it is exactly human sudoku like so the game kind of helps you in that respect. It's like, start with these people and then go to yeah. these people and then finish with these people. And okay. the way that it onboards you, pun intended, to mm-hmm. like the way that you solve these mysteries is very accessible. Like the first person right, okay. and the second person are very straightforward. And so you find yourself kind of like the game is teaching you and you are becoming smarter and it will teach you what to look out for with different profiles and the order they're based in. So you're like, right, Interesting. these people are coming up. They have accents. Like, who am I listening to? Right. Was that a gunshot in the background? Right. So a gun is involved somehow. And so the onboarding is very accessible. So you, you're you not too dumb. <laughs> You'll be fine. And even if you don't solve it all, the story is so good. Like, it's very much based on, like, the gossip of sailors, like, what's in the ocean? What's out at sea? And so you have Ooh. your obvious ones, like a certain yeah. certain big monster from the deep. But there's... I don't even know how to describe it. It takes a turn about halfway through. And I honestly could not believe what I was looking at. It, the the stuff of the game is very... I don't, not 8-bit. What's the one below that? Isn't it like one bit? Yes. Isn't, how, isn't yes. that what he describes it as? One yeah. bit, two tone. And it's brilliant. Yeah. The game looks incredible. But because of that, there's a bit that happens halfway through. And I remember just staring at the screen being like, trying to work out what I was looking at. And just for that alone, like that doesn't yeah. require you being smart. The game, that's part of the story. So you just see that nothing is locked away behind closed doors if you do not know how to finish the game. Like if you don't get everyone. So you can go in, literally don't fill anyone out, play the whole game and be like, that was a great story about a group of people and who I, I'll never know what happened to them. And that's okay. Like the game is, the game is great. The game is great. I love it so much. 
You've convinced me. Throw it in the pit. I will play it immediately. (laughs) Yeah, it's very good. I'm I'm such a big fan. Like fan gamers sell the actual like physical dossier you can buy, and I've and I've bought. I've got one because I was like, I want a physical copy of this. Let me get it. I'm gonna show you. Yeah, please get it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so for the listeners at home, I'll describe it. Rachel has brought a small. Oh, that is a little dossier. You're right. That's gorgeous. That's so cute. And then, Look at that. What it? What's really cool about it is so you get your little map. So I got a map here. Oh yeah. So this, these are in, in the game as well. This is how you work out stuff. So there's the map, mm-hmm. and here is a detailed. What's oh, the ship? The ship. Oh. And whose office is who? So right. The second mate, fourth mate. Right, so if they're all sleeping and you see someone sleeping in the first mate's room, you're like, right, that's the first mate. So this is really important ah. as well. And then you also have, here's, <laughs> here's the list of the crew. Oh 60, my God. 60 people. That's and then so you're people. also given photographs. Look at this one, a bit ominous, isn't it? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow, look at that, yeah. Yeah, it's creepy. But yeah. It's really good game. It's a great detective game. I'm really happy that we got that and Paradise Killer because oh, there we go. I, I must play it. I must. It's just like I, I must. I, that like I must that? play I it. Must. I must. I must play it and hit post haste. <laughs> I must post haste. Oh, I'm, I'm losing my mind. My brain is foggy. It's like on the lamp set. Like on the lamp That's a brilliant pick, Rachel. That like. Oh, I love yeah. it so much. Yes. Uh, should also probably mention um i believe it was the rps 100 number one game last year when we all voted <gasps> on our was. favorite games it was. on pc so there it is well there you go if that's Even that's the whole reason. team decision oh by yep. the way it's a, it's a lucas pope game gotta sh- give shout out to lucas pope, yeah um who is incredible doing that after papers please how dare you have that much talent <laughs> I know, like, right? I can't believe it. Soul developer as well. Oh, like, I know. Incredible. See, I think we can agree that that is indie indie. I mean, we'll talk yeah. we'll talk down the line about where you draw the line in what what indies are, but solo developers are yep. doing incredible work. One hundred percent. Yeah, to be freaking Aubrey Din. <sighs> yeah, I'd be too busy eating beans. Incredible. Should we circle back to the beginning with uh, Liam? Oh, time to throw another game in the pit. My next game is another sort of detective game with similar vibes to Paradise Killer. It's Hypnospace Outlaw. cracked me up really fucking cracked me up jane austen out here yeah it's, it's giving southern bell it's giving uh <laughs> does anyone else feel like they were just raised by tv and that their their frame of reference and the way they speak just flies around everywhere because of that just, just yes, suddenly you'll literally. you'll end up in a different part of the world with the way you express one thought yeah we're watching the simpsons at the moment which yolly's never seen properly before oh right like every episode, I'm like, oh, that's where I got that from. Yeah, like, I'm, that's where I got I'm that also from. rewatching The Simpsons at the moment for the first time oh, yeah. in oh. about 15 years. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's 
you, you don't realise if you're a child of the 90s, you just think about it every day. All the time. Simpsons is amazing. Yeah. Most of my understanding of the world is from between seasons three and eight, I think. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the golden ones, right? Damn right. I'm on season 20 at the moment. So we're into the, oh. we're into the rough era. Um, but, I would give up quite quick. Oh, it's, it's still just so, I don't know. It's just something nice to have on in the background. And it's just got to the yeah. point where they switch to HD and like all the animations Ooh. have become really smooth. And it's just like visually what they were doing in that season was such a treat. Yeah. Anyway. See, I don't like the modern visuals. I, I, I was... get it. I get it. Sorry, I've totally uh, derailed us from... <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, right, okay, anyway, what we're talking okay, about. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> do not apologise. <laughs> Hypnospace Outlaw, it's it's another detective game, but I guess it's, it's more so like an interactive narrative game. I think even though mm. there is a mystery at the centre of it and the conclusion to the game, you know, you will find out a conclusion to a mystery before the credits roll... It's not the most important part. The most important part of the game is just immersing yourself in this game. And a bit like Paradise Killer, it's about sort of understanding the world you're in and the people who are within it and sort of like how the rules and and this society operates. So Hypnospace Outlaw puts you in the shoes of a moderator on an alternate reality version of the internet circa 1999. This version of the internet, Hypnospace, is accessed via a headband while you sleep. And you are given access to basically a computer as they were in the 90s. So it has a full desktop UI. You can um, bring up all of these different applications like music players and post-it notes. You can change your background. You can get like a little desktop buddy, a little hamster that will poo constantly and die if you don't (laughs) feed it. Um, But the the majority of the game is set within the uh, Hypnospace browser, um, which it lets you access the internet and the internet in this game is split into distinct zones a bit like the internet of the time so you have things like teentopia where all the teens hang out and all of the brands <laughs> made for teens exist and you have uh, i think it's called good time valley which is where all the slightly right wing old people go on <laughs> to talk about the good old days of i guess the 50s and 60s because it's set in the 90s um and there's like a conspiracy zone where people talk about um tennis because this because it's an alternate reality world everything is so displaced from what we know but it's still familiar so in the conspiracy zone people are like did you know that there's a type of tennis where only two people play and not three people (laughs) it's really weird where's that happening um and this sort of like alternate reality side of it is what really appealed to me at first so you know there's a game called squishes which is where you collect cute monsters except they're all horrible and gooey and there's a a website for boppo's fried meats instead of mcdonald's and the greatest treat is granny cream's hot butter ice cream um which has like a horrible um, (laughs) theme tune granny cream's hot butter ice cream we take the hot butter mix it with the ice cream freeze it up cool you can see it on your screen put it in your microwave make it real hot like a soup or a dip we call it heat and sip. Um, but the deeper you dig, the more you realise just how much they've thought about this alternate reality version of the internet. Um, because they even have music, like an entire like lineage of music that is made up just for hypnospace. So there's an entire genre called cool punk, which samples uh, in the reality of hypnospace, a advert for a 
brand of soda called Gray's Peak, and then people have made like a bunch of music about it, and Gray's Peak is back, and you sort of start to just like piece together this world and how it hangs together and then you start to see the people because all these people have their own individual pages and they all look like GeoCities pages. They're all full of GIFs and spelling mistakes and some of them aren't finished and they have under construction signs. And you start off basically uh, moderating it. So you get emails through your email client and it says, oh, the rights holder of this cartoon character from the 50s doesn't want it on Hypnospace. So can you please go around and ban all the people who are putting it on their pages? And you uh, report violations as you go through uh, all these pages. And then the people react to you slowly and they'll start to be like, oh, Hypnospace is censoring us. We want to use this image. Why aren't you letting us do it? Or I'm really sorry. I bullied this person. I won't do it again. Um, and it takes place over three days. Uh, Merchant Soft, who's the company who owns Hypnospace, is going to push out a year 2000 update. And to say anything else would be a spoiler. <laughs> to immerse yourself in this game, is an experience like none other. And once again, like Paradise Killer, I'm going to say the music is incredible. Uh, this game is by a, a company called Tendershoot, which I think is just a collection of a couple of developers. Um, but the creative developer, uh, creative director is a guy called Jay Tholen. Really interesting guy. And majority of the music is made just by him. And uh, I interviewed him. Oh, yeah? I think it was just yeah a few years ago just before the game came out or maybe six months before the game came out and mm. uh at one point he just turned to me and said i need to start making the rest of the game because right now it's mainly music like he really throws himself in wow. to the music side music's like really interesting sort of like gloopy and weird and sort of like not like anything from the real world and then he's teamed up with a bunch of other people so there's an, an internet comedian called hot dad he does a lot of music in the game as a character called uh, the chowder man oh yeah <laughs> and the chowder man's like a kid rock sort of like sleazy guy but he does a song called Ready to Shave, which was, it's literally a song about shaving. It's like an eight minute rock <laughs> epic that is absolutely brilliant. It's so good. Hell yeah. There's just a lot to discover in this game. Um, and also it's a bit like uh, her story in the sense that you got to try and uncover secrets and progress the story by uh, searching for things. So a lot of pages aren't listed. You can't get to them through directories. You either need to find hyperlinks or you need to just search for search terms. So if someone mentions someone's name, oh, shout out to this user who let me hack into Hypnospace's servers. You might be able to search their name and find them. Oh. And it just it just continues from there. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's available on everything. It's best on PC because it gives you that tactile uh, interface. Type it on a keyboard, you're typing in the game. Goodness me, I love this game. <laughs> yes. again just like absolutely incredible uh one of my fondest possessions was the uh the publisher sent me a um like a promo copy when the, when the game came out uh that's done like an aol free trial disc <gasps> oh my god that's so oh, cool oh wow <laughs> yeah it's brilliant uh and i even have the the headband as well that they were that uh, fan gamer again shout out to fan gamer i guess fan gamer who's doing making that the products that we want to buy <laughs> yeah um <laughs> Yeah, just a oh, phenomenal game. 
Uh, I'm I'm overdue a replay, and the new one might come out this year. Dream Settler, which yes. we spoke about on another podcast. So yeah, Hypnospace, it's good. Yes, I I remember playing it and just being. I think there's something really cool about like her story and um, Hypnospace about being on a PC playing it yeah. because like you said it's so tactile like having your mouse like move around or like i'm pretty sure on hypnospace you can like so you can download pets which is i remember the hamster which has like little wings and flies around your screen yeah stuff, and it poops everywhere or like you can download like a virus like a virus like fake virus situation yeah. it's just or like really like crusty mp3s that you can play on your mp3 player like it just has that nostalgia attached to it that i just oh, it's yes. kind of like emily is away in that respect you know like emily is away had like that whole youtube like the, the, when yeah. you click on it it would all have like pop out oh i just love yeah i love fake desktops and games they're, they're great <laughs> they're honestly incredible yeah so good and goober's the one right goober is the the fish which you have to go around oh yeah um yes detective goober detective or whatever Goopa yeah or something yeah Gooper, that's it yeah Goop- and like it, everyone yeah, gets so angry that you're banning <laughs> goober from and then they use him as like a symbol of the rebellion against yeah. merchant soft and <laughs> but that's the cool thing about it right because like there's people using this image on their personal website mm. so this idea about like ip and you know corporate property that just wasn't a thing back then and yeah. like you have to make those decisions right so like there's gifts of goober (laughs) who's like got his like little magnifying glass little hat um so obviously that's an ip but there's also fan art like someone's drawn goober and uploaded it and you have to make the the decision like is that you know a breach of the owner's copyright and i don't know how much it affects the story again i also played it ages ago well due for a replay but those kind of decisions and that era of the internet where everything was just fair game. Like you could just yeah. right click, steal that, right click, got that, done of this. Like I just, that freedom is something yeah. that I think the game captures really well. That like two, early 2000s, mm. the wild west of like, yes. like I think that's um, what I called yeah, it the last episode, absolutely. like the wild west of online. Yes, it's, it's such an artifact of the past as well because yes. like that is the internet yeah. we all grew up on but presumably young young people t- young people today young people <laughs> today won't won't really have any experience of that because there's a much greater sense of of everything online being kind of interconnected and the idea that if you if you do something like that then the IP holder has a good chance of seeing it. Yeah. Which is a hugely different scenario from from what we kind of grew up with and uh, yeah i i once again i have not played this game but it does sound incredibly fascinating um I yes. think you'd like it a lot. yeah i'm sure that i would i'm sure that i would yeah. for the nostalgia factor alone and also because once again that just sort of like dropping you into a lightly guided but rather sandboxy world and letting you like poke around in it is just it's fantastic I really wish the game would let you ro- let you create your own website. Like I was, do- I was like, they if that's like a DLC or maybe in Dream Settler, like I just want to have like that ability to create the most gaudy ass website ever again, where like where you have like I don't know like red hot clip art like word clip art and in the background yeah. it's like neon green and it just hurts your eyes to look oh, at. Yes, like I want so I want stuff like that. So you can build pages in Hypnospace. Can you? It's an it's an external tool that like comes bundled with the game. 
Um, but I would love it in Dream Settler if it was like baked into the actual game mm. itself. Like there was just a way of like, like a free webs equivalent or something silly like that, right? Like, yes. yeah, you can make your website, but it's got like big, this user has not bought <laughs> premium banners like across the top. Or yes. Uh, oh, wow. That'd be great. Like m- really crusty music that plays when you like, <laughs> when someone comes on my yeah. website. Really Anything. relive my days of like early 2000s MySpace by having uh, Damien Rice's The Elephants <laughs> Are Gone playing on my Game Boy custom HTML page. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I'm like 13, but I'm like really deep. So, you know, I really like Damien Rice because he sings about sad things. Uh, <laughs> feels. All the feels. feels. So many feels. feels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm excited about this next one, Rebecca. I'm excited. So can you please tell us what your second pick is? Sure thing. My second pick for the Indiscovery Indie Vault is Firewatch. Firewatch is a lovely, delightful uh, 2016 game by Campo Santo, um, which is an independent team formed by people who previously worked on Telltale's The Walking Dead season one, I believe. A little bit of a little bit of a tie-in oh. um, to our to our last episode. It is it is of the genre that is sometimes semi-disparagingly called Walking Sims. Um, and just for the record, I think Walking Sims are really really nice um Hell yeah. along along with things like visual yeah. novels they they are for me they really encapsulate what you can do really well on an indie budget firewatch is one that i only really recently came to appreciate just how much i actually love this game because Aww. it's kind of a it's like a low key favorite if that makes sense i cannot mm. point to to any moment playing this game when i was like oh my god this is one of my favorite games now but mm. the more i look back on it the more i'm like i just have so much fondness for for this game and what yeah. it's doing. And I played it in a bit of a spree of, of walking sim type games. So I played um, What Remains of Edith Finch and Ooh. Gone Home and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and The Suicide oh of Rachel God. Foster, which is the only bad one in that lot. I mean, actually, mm. to be fair, The Suicide of Rachel Foster has like, <laughs> it has a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere and design and the story is dreadful. Garbage. Um, sorry to just do a drive-by on another game, but I do feel quite strongly about this. Um, it is, it is... It is a really visually great game and they really should have run that story by somebody before they, they published have, yeah. it. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Firewatch, which of all of those is is my absolute favourite. Um, so Firewatch, the, the basic story is a guy called Henry. We decided Henry or Hank, both are acceptable, as mm-hmm, we established mm-hmm. last week. And it starts off as sort of like a... It kind of starts off a little bit like a visual novel, actually, because you're just given some text prompts to kind of choose his backstory a little bit. But the, the general gist is... Um, he was, I believe, um, a student or an academic and he met another academic at his university. Um, they fell in love, got married. You get to have these sweet little moments in their relationship. And then when they're in their early forties, she gets diagnosed with early onset dementia and her, her family make the decision to take her back to Australia where she's from to take care of her, which leaves Henry kind of in this, in this weird position. You never really get much of a sense of why the family kind of swoop in and mm. go oh yeah we're we're taking your wife now but you get the feeling that there's a pretty good reason from their point of view at least for doing this and it kind of leaves henry in the states with not much idea of what he's going to do next 
Um, and obviously just very distressed because that this is one of those life situations that can happen, but no one is ever really braced for, for these kind of outlying yeah. cases to become mm-hmm. part of their life. Um, and so what Henry does when you get into kind of the, the main story, the, the story that you as the player are physically present for is Henry has decided to take a summer, summer job as, um, I wish I could remember. Is it a fire fire watcher? It would have been really good if I could remember uh, the word for it. But he's is going it just like to, a park ranger? He's a kind of park ranger, but very specifically, his job is to go into the middle of the Shoshone National Forest for I think mm. eight or twelve weeks over the summer during the wildfire period, and just sit in this watchtower and mm. watch for fires. And that is as the entire thing. He's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, he's communicating with other other watchtower occupants i'm gonna maybe stick with that um uh via via radio but he is physically alone all day every day for this several week period and the the kind of main main story of the game is kind of twofold part of it is his relationship with a woman named delilah who is in the next watchtower over who is also his supervisor and their communications and the way their relationship develops purely over this radio connection and another part of the story is this mystery that unfolds um, surrounding the person who occupied the watchtower previous to Henry getting there. Um, and I really don't want to talk about the story too much because it is it is a really good story. And I think it's it's well worth, if you've not played it, experiencing it for yourself. We love a mystery game at RPS. Yeah. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, we have a type, don't we? <laughs> yeah, us three love a mystery detective game. But even like the RPS, like... As a the team, squad in general, very, very yeah. into mystery yeah. games. Even like Firewatch and Hypnospace Outlaw, which you wouldn't immediately yes. necessarily tag as mystery games, are really when you when you get down to it, they're mystery games. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Firewatch has this sort of like. I, the thing is, it's a story that you want to talk about, but if you talk about it too much, you ruin it. So I'm going to try and not not actually give any details. But it's this. It's a, a very cool thriller, and it's about isolation, and it's about mm. paranoia. Um, and it's also about boredom, I think, quite a lot because they're in this beautiful yeah. place, but they've got nothing. To, they're not even really meant to leave their watchtower all that much unless there is a solid reason for doing so. But you can. And that, that brings me to my favourite thing about Firewatch. Uh, the thing that I think elevates it above the other walking sims that I mentioned that I played is that you can just run around in what I think is something like a realistically rendered two square mile mm. area of this national park that the character is in you can pretty much go anywhere in it pretty freely and explore the area and hike around it and the game won't tell you off even though Mm. within the narrative you're you're meant to only be only be leaving under certain circumstances but the game does let you just wander around and explore and enjoy it the only things it will really stop you from doing is stumbling into the story too early there was a free post-launch dlc that came out that does just let you continue to explore the area and find any like little secrets oh. that you haven't found and i look more games should do that i would say all, all games should do that in my opinion yes just every, every single yeah. game needs to let you just wander around in its world and appreciate all the little details that you're sometimes you are yes. rushed through in the course of a story and the fact that firewatch actually, i spent again sort of over the course of lockdowns a lot of time just wandering around in firewatch mm. because it, it is such a beautiful beautifully rendered world and it, it is incredible. The, the level of detail. Most of the most of the secrets that you find aren't tied into achievements or anything. They're just there for you to appreciate and enjoy. Mm. And it is such an interesting, especially I think for people who 
we're in that situation where we were we were kind of stuck in our houses for for two years or whatever that fantasy of escape is so present and then is is really tied in to the character situation henry's situation where he you know makes this choice to go mm. and be in the middle of nowhere and and kind of not face up to the difficulties of real life it resonated a lot in in lockdown i think even though i played it before lockdown yes. i replayed it in lockdown um mm. it resonated a lot despite being like the entirely opposite situation almost yeah. <laughs> but the long story short on all this is it's one of my one of my favorite games if if not top 10 then definitely top 20 all-time favorite games just mm. because because I want to, I want to live in that world. You know, I want to, <gasps> yeah, just experience yeah. that world over and over again. And if it wasn't attached to a great story, I would still be fascinated by it. But it, it is attached to a great story, which is a delightful bonus. It mm. is absolutely one of the um, best rendered forests in video games, despite not being photorealistic. Yeah, indeed, 1, indeed. The relationship between Henry and Delilah. Again, one of the best in video games. I think the way those two characters interact, the the way you're able to choose your responses on the radio when she talks to you mm. is incredible. Ah, oh, I, I whenever I think about this game, I just I, I just feel very warm. Mm. It, it, it's mm. just such a lovely thing to spend time with. Uh, and, and you can finish it in a day. And I would maybe recommend finishing it in one go as well, because I think yeah. it's a, a beautiful story to just to see in its entirety. A lot of walking sim style games are really best enjoyed in a single single sitting yes. in your first playthrough. And that is what I've done Absolutely. with a lot of the games that I mentioned there. Um I think Firewatch I might have actually played over two or three days, but still it's that that short compressed time span which almost makes you feel like you're living because of you know, walking sim, first person point of view, you are seeing things through the character's eyes and if you can kind of live it in real time, it does yeah. add something as well, I think, to the yeah. experience. Yes. Absolutely. What appealed to me about firewatch is yeah it's a stunning looking game amazing mm. but it's like so you touched beautiful. you touched upon it rebecca it it touches upon like there's a certain kind of person who would take this kind of job and mm. henry's situation obviously is very like upsetting but it's also in the fact that he finds solace in you know this this stranger uh through a radio wave and it's funny because they both kind of acknowledge the situation he's in in what is quite a wholesome and cute way because I, she's definitely like, what are you doing here? Like everyone who takes this job has, does it for a reason. Like not anyone could just be on their own for six months or for a summer, just like isolated with nothing much to do because nothing really does happen um, usually. Um, so yeah, I just, I think they're, communication and that cute acknowledgement makes it a really really nice game it's just fun to talk to someone in that way like they joke around a bit and she like teases him about stuff and he teases back like i just think that relationship is really it's done so well the characters are written so well i think it's a great character study for like someone mm. who yeah. is both melancholy but also is looking f looking for a new lease on life, <laughs> you know, but not so corny. Uh, yeah, Henry's great. Love him. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I think that as well, I, I like Henry. I like Delilah a lot, but I think yes, I yeah. potentially like Henry even better just because there is this sense of Henry as someone who has not acted well 
by making the decision mm. to kind of isolate himself. But then you look at his situation, yeah. like what else was he really supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's in this completely, this situation that no one is prepared for, especially not at 39, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. not expecting mm-hmm. this to happen. And, you know, he is kind of left with nowhere to go. And the more you think about it, the more you sort of, you do come to sympathize with his situation because yeah, yeah there's just yeah. this, this sense of like, you have this duty to behave in a certain way and like your spouse is sick and obviously like you, you feel like there's there's obvious things you have to do except in this particular edge case your spouse increasingly doesn't know who you are and so at that point what are your obligations you know and it, it throughout I think and it contrasts so well with the fact that you you spend a lot of time just like looking at these beautiful things and contemplating mm. nature in solitude and you don't get a lot of Henry's interior thoughts it's mostly his conversations with delilah that express how he's you know how he's feeling and that's not all necessarily true but Mm. it does help again it helps you embody the character because you'll just be having these quiet moments where you'll be looking at you know like this beautiful this beautiful stream like running through a ravine or something and you'll think there is this real life that this character is just putting off going back to because it's so painful and and so uncertain and it it just it doesn't really lead you to any conclusions but it just does demonstrate that situation i think really effectively and even though there are Mm. a lot of games a lot of games at the moment about mental health um i think it takes an angle that many of those games don't Mm, yeah Yeah. it's 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 a very subtle and mature game in that sense i think Mm. it sort of touches on a lot of things in a way that's really nice you know henry it's easy to not see Henry as a sympathetic character, mm. but you'd be hard pressed yeah. not to love him by the end, despite his faults. And I think any game that can create a character like that, mm, absolutely, it, it is worthy of the vault, in my opinion. Is what I will <laughs> yes. say. Yes, I mean it's it's easy in a way to write a character who's just a shining paragon of every virtue. It is a lot yeah. harder to create a character <laughs> who is a human character it who really you sympathise with. Yeah, and it's. It's a shame that Campo Santo gets absorbed by Valve after mm-hmm. this. Absolutely. And In the Valley of Gods is still up in the air, what, nine years later or whatever it is. Is it still? They announced oh my it. God. But my, my hot take is, from what I understand, the team that make Firewatch, they make the next Half-Life. They are the people who are leading the narrative design with Half-Life Alex, And that game has a lot of Firewatch's DNA in it. Mm. Um, not only is it a lot about reflective and contemplative looking out at beautiful vistas Mm. uh, you're constantly chatting to people over a radio in a way that feels like tonally very similar to some of the lighter conversations you have with Delilah and I think you can see that narrative link between the two so on the one hand yes we might never get in the valley of the gods this you know follow-up to Firewatch the people who make one of the best narrative games ever made go on to basically revive Half-Life. And for me personally, that's like, that's good. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I benefited from that. But yeah, incredible pick and very well put, Rebecca. Like, <laughs> yeah. You. Got a bit misty-eyed thinking about uh, yeah, uh, Henry too. there. Me too. Yeah, I was just sad there just quietly being like, oh, what a guy. <laughs> just hide behind the pop shield like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not fair. You guys can see me wherever I move because my pop shield is below my webcam. Yeah, you guys can yeah, you got to move that up. It gets you less. You it's going to have to go quite high up. To be honest, you can't see myself from here. I could do anyway. the Ash. I could do the Ash Ketchum thing when he like. Oh yeah, he, he cries. Oh yeah, the hiding when... behind the cap. 
I just have to pull a blanket over my head. It's going to be really obvious. I'm just cold. Rachel, what is your second and our final pick for this episode? My second and final pick for the episode is Kentucky Route Zero. You'd have to include that. I just. <laughs> I kind of want it. You like. I think so. Kentucky Route Zero was my immediate first choice. It's my favorite game of all time. It's my favorite indie. I have such a very personal, kind of like with you guys as well, like personal relationship with this game in particular, just because of the way it came out and stuff. It's like, do you guys ever like when you talk about a game that you love? And sometimes you're like, I'm I'm scared that I won't do this game justice or I like will leave out some like important part of it or because I Oh yeah. In Every my time soul, I open my mouth, don't worry. Yes, yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> my what? soul feel that about this game. Like I wow. fucking love this game. So Kentucky Route Zero is was developed by Cardboard Computer. Uh they kickstarted it back in um, 2011. The first chapter released in 2013, and then they released five chapters over like seven years. Uh, so Damn. the last one came out in 2021. That's when the collection came out. And so I think for many people like myself who played the first chapter and didn't realize they'd have to wait seven years for the rest of the game, it was... It was kind of like this thing that would come in and out of your life over different periods of time. Like, yeah. So you'd play the oh. first chapter, I'd be at uni, and then it'd be great. And then I'd be out of uni, and a new chapter would come along. And then I'd be moving out, and then another chapter. Like, it was something that was very fleeting. Um, and I'm going to get poetic about this because Kentucky Route Zero is a poetic game in its nature. Uh, the story is about a um, antiques delivery guy called Conway. He's told he has to deliver something to Five Dogwood Drive, which is somewhere on this route in Kentucky called the Zero, which he soon begins to realize is like the Zero is like an underground system of caves in which this ethereal highway runs through. This what? game is very surreal. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's bizarre in nature. So he sets off, and the idea of the game is it's basically a massive road trip throughout Kentucky where you meet different people. Some stay, some go. Although it's quite magical, realist, and surreal in certain aspects, this game, very much like um, last year's uh citizen sleeper or norco it's very similar to norco it's about these people who are trying to live through like um like economic struggle uh in kentucky and you meet these oh, people wow. these these drifters these nobodies and they tell their stories and yeah they just drift in and out of your of the story you play and yeah it's really good um it's it's a point and click adventure but 
there's this might put a lot of people off there's not actually much many choices to be made it offers you choices what would you like to name your dog where would you want to go um like you're given dialogue options but ultimately nothing you does you do matters the decision you make do not impact the story the game might pose a question to you about a character because you play as conway but also your your options uh can be um reactions to what someone else has said and so you can kind of mold those people in very personal ways so like something might come up like about their past or you and you can decide that they're not over a lost lover or they are over a lost lover like oh, they've right. made mistakes in their lives or they haven't and i just think this kind of character system where you kind of mold these people that you meet it's very melancholy but ultimately these people are also kind of hopeful so yeah and i don't know i just played the first chapter when I was in uni, I don't know, 22 or whatever, 21. And yeah, here I am, 29, just like, it's just, it's stuck with me. It's just a game that has just stuck with me for like years. And I've not played anything else like it. When it came out in 2013 to now, I have not played anything like Kentucky Route Zero. Like, wow. it's so unusual and it has its flaws for sure. Yeah. It can be very insular. Uh, it can... It, because the chapters release at different times, it's a bit disjointed. Uh, it can get really caught up in its own mythos as well. Like you're, you're just like, I don't understand what's going on. No one's going to explain it to me. But, and I think that's what put a lot of people off. It's very slow as well. It, there's a lot of dialogue. Sure, there's like places you move around and everything, but it's not going to be the game for everyone. And that's totally mm. okay. Mm. But yeah, it's just this really insular, I think, is the word that I would describe. It's just like very inward. I think everyone who plays it will have a different reaction to it, whether that be like, this game is not for me at all. Or, oh my God, I, like, I see myself like in this game. I feel for these characters. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just a great game. I Very unusual, but like, it's got to go in the vault. Like, there's just nothing else like it. And I don't know. It was RPS's game of the year when it came out. I think when the collection wow. came out as well. So RPS people like it. So I have them behind me. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, it's just great. I really love it. <laughs> Insular is a very interesting word to use mm. for a game, right? And yeah. This is not someone I can recommend to any, like, Oprah did. I'm like, you play it, you play it. Um, yeah. Like Firewatch. I'm like, you play this game. Kentucky Route Zero, I don't think I would, unless like in this format, where I get to speak yeah. about it in, in at length, I could not really recommend it to like just off the bat like I can with other games. Like, but oh, it is just- How interesting. There's, That's... there's just moments in it that mm. I just think about, I, ret- I return to and I think about all the time. Wow. And it's, it's so unusual. Because you'll be dealing with these people who are very grounded realities. People who, you know, this is Americana, essentially. So it's people who are in debt or they have gambling problems, alcoholism. Like, there's all these very grounded topics. But because it's surrealist, there are, like, moments of, like, 
very just fucking weird i'll just put it straight up it's fucking weird like there'll be like androids at one point there's a giant eagle at another point it's just like at one point you're like clicking through lyrics and and then uh, some, someone will sing what you've chosen like it's it's bizarre but also <laughs> incredible it's so good i've it heard it amazing. described as lynchian which i think um i i, I was my understanding is that it's, it's a little bit Twin Peaks inspired. Um, clearly, I have not played it. I am actually mm. down to write our Game of the Year Revisited article on it. Um, yes. So hopefully I'll be playing it. Well, actually, I will be playing it quite soon or probably handing that article off to Rachel if I don't manage to oh, get no. it. No, I, do, I do really, really <laughs> want to play it because it was on a list a few years ago. It came mm. up on a list of Twin Peaks inspired games. and I've been slowly working my way through that list and I Kentucky Route Zero is the next one on it anyway. So I'm like... It's yes, interesting but... with Twin Peaks because a lot of people throw that around. Oh, Twin mm. Peaks inspired, Twin Peaks this, mm. Twin Peaks that. And it was funny because I was I, I was like, should I say that this game is inspired by Twin Peaks because it's a term that's that's thrown around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say vibes wise it is. Yes. In terms of like its content and the people it follows, probably not. But this idea Indeed. of like Americana, small mm-hmm. town weird vibes that they're not just random they're just but they're it's a surrealism that makes sense within the world it is it's not just like oh this is weird it's like no this this makes sense and it punches home a certain point which i think twin peaks does really well so definitely in that way that's kind of why i think maybe lynchian is the more appropriate term because twin peaks inspired can just mean that it takes place in the american northwest really can't it so like people throw that term around so much i'm like no it's not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not just because yeah. you have a weird detective who likes pie it is not Twin yeah. Pe- referencing Twin yeah. Peaks does not inherently make but something yeah. Lynchian but it sounds to me like you're right, Kentucky yeah. Zero is, is a Lynchian game yeah. yeah you're right for sure by that logic there's only one Twin Peaks like game and it's Debbie Premonition a game <laughs> yes. that's going to be a well indeed <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah it, it kind of reminds me of uh, everything is inspired by either Twin Peaks or The Shining, but sometimes The Shining is just literally that carpet pattern and that's how it's The Shining inspired. You know? I'm like, yeah, there's, a, there's a whole other discussion to be had about that. Because I, yeah, like, I will play anything that is inspired by either of those, but there is a, a wide, wide gap in how yeah. how you choose to uh, to work with those inspirations, I think. Yeah, like, that's why I was a bit, like, I didn't want to throw it, throw it out there too much, but like, uh, I don't mind, I don't mind that. But ultimately, if you can't describe what's good about your game without referring to other very famous pieces of media. Yeah, indeed. That's like review 101 yeah. as well. Whenever someone's like, this is like this, usually I'll just cut that out. I'm like, get out of here. Because one, it's it's not an insult to the devs, but also it's like, we're going to describe it in a way in which suits it rather than just be like, oh, T- Kentucky Route Zero is, is like Twin Peaks. Like I'm like, snatch that out. I'm like, get out of here. Poof. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it vibes wise, yeah, correct. Like one thousand percent, Lynchian is a very, although Lynch can mm. sometimes go off the fucking rails. Like that guy, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. What does he do? Absolutely. He does like that deep meditation. What is that called? When he some of his ideas, he goes into like a deep meditation. Hold on. Does he? Yeah, it's called something. He's written books about it and everything. What the fuck is it called? What kind of meditation does he do? Transcendental meditation. Ah. I've never heard of this. So he has this idea. Well, I guess that's what transcendental meditation is about. Short rant. You have like a baseline for consciousness. <laughs> uh, think of okay. it like, like um, whatever. 
And then the idea with transcendental med- meditation is that you pass through that and you reach like the deep, the deep wells of your consciousness where everything's a bit fucked up. And that's where he gets a lot of his shit from. I mean, oh. whether you believe that or not, but whatever. Well, that's the thing with David Lynch is it could all be performance art. Everything yeah. that man <laughs> does on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but at the same time, uh, yeah, transcendental meditation, why not? Yeah. What's that meme where someone's talking to David Lynch and they're like, elaborate further? And David Lynch is like, no. Yes. <laughs> just- yes. Uh, so yeah I, yeah for sure that is uh, the last the last pick boot it into the vault go in the vault Deesh. pop it in the pit yep. put it in the display case and let's <gasps> let's push the door closed and turn the valve and reset the, the little wheel. clicky thing where you've got the numbers on we'll reset oh, yeah. our password oh, to and one, we two, all three, have four. a key we definitely all have a key and we need to all <gasps> yes. three of us be here to yes. keep it round our necks yeah. If yes. one of us ever dies, it'll launch a, a mystery <laughs> where we've got to try and discover where we were buried to access the Indiscovery Vault. Well we done, all have Dan. our own separate mysteries. Rebecca's yes. is Firewatch based. Mine is Overdid. Yes. And Liam, you can have you can have either Hypnospace or uh, Paradise Killer. I mean, let's be fair. As someone terminally online, it would definitely revolve around the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I would like for mine to be just going into the woods for months. As a, as a remedy cool. to terminally online. <laughs> yeah, we have literally the opposite. Yeah. And Rachel's like, on a board. Get me away. Get me away from this damned internet for the, for the foreseeable. So very quickly uh, before we dive into our hyperfixations, can we just do like a yeah. quick a quick fire of what games maybe like passed through our brain when we were thinking about our top two? Like, because me and Liam, were, you said Death's Door, right? Which is also a very good pick. Yeah, Death's Door was very high on my list. Um, uh, what am I, I also had... Um, actually, What Remains of Edith Finch was one of mine. That was sure. one of mine as well. Yeah, yep. very good. Night in the Woods. Yep, yep. Uh, Factorio and Minecraft were quite high. Minecraft's a funny one these days. <laughs> yes, but like, yeah. Yeah. Hotline Miami for my sins. These Ooh. might come up in future episodes. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, for I've, sure. I've, uh, I've had to pull up a Google Doc because my brain lives in Google Docs. Yes! Get that <laughs> nice. doc up. But I did. I did have loads. Um I'll 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 do a couple of a couple of honourable mentions then. Yes, I had yes. Journey. Journey I, I oh, yes. Good one. Um, yep. Hellblade. Does Hellblade count? I feel like that's that was independently uh, at the published. Time they, got, it was. they got bought yeah. out after after that, you know, it was did an its indie thing, game right? At the time. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot on here that I'm like not as sure where they sit anymore. Just um, shout them out, whatever. I mean, oh yeah, this is a long list. I'm not going to do all of them. I'm just skimming down for some <laughs> for some interesting ones because this was the problem. This is like I had my top two, and then I had like the next twenty, and then it was just a a real panic. I mean, there's there's stuff like um, I mentioned last last week. Uh, Boyfriend Dungeon is a recent one, but one that I think mm. is gonna gonna stick with me for it's a while. One. I similarly like yep. a year of springs, which is the one that we talked about. Yeah, just because oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really oh, I'd, I'd chuck Frostpunk on there for me. Frostpunk Ooh. is incredible. It's a good one. If not um, emotionally damaging on every level, <laughs> I chuck. Um, Parkitect would be on my list as well. Ooh, I think. Okay. Um, like Rollercoaster Tycoon. Ooh, Devotion. I love Devotion, Ooh, the horror devotion game. Devotion is a good shout. A short hike is something that I've got down here. Yes. As well. Another lovely yep. forest-based oh, one. Never um, played it. It's a real oh, it's blind so spot lovely. for me. That's another one that you can do in an afternoon as well. So yeah. That's really, really nice. I should really go for it. Yeah. It's quite a cozy it's Switch lovely. game. It's nice to be like. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, not to be. Don't play it on PC, but also it's it's a cute yeah. Switch game. For cozy times. On that, that bed, OLED yeah. screen is pretty nice. Yeah. Feels like a good one for that. 
as a Steam Deck owner, you almost certainly own it from a humble bundle and don't realise. Oh, I so, probably ooh, do. Yes, because I? I own it Can about three times from various bundles. So, or itch bundle. I do. I own it. Apparently, I bought it in twenty twenty. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Done. Ooh, oxen free. Oxen free. I love. Ooh, any of the super giant. Just all the super giant games can go in for mm. me. Oh yeah, God yeah, Bastion uh, especially. Yeah. Every single one, all four. <laughs> should we bastion was my first indie game i think so we should should we do like an episode about our first indie games <gasps> yeah that'd be great for sure yeah. i mean i will i will double check if it's monster prom again but i'll take another crack at monster prom i'm not anti that. <laughs> i could listen to you talk about it again yeah oh i yeah. love to i again i don't feel i did it justice this time so i will i will revisit and refine <laughs> well i want to play it so you did a good job there oh, yeah so <laughs> is oh, it time yeah. I think it's time. Yeah, should we move on? I could, I could be on this list for. I put the list away because otherwise I will just be <laughs> reciting the list <laughs> for our hyperfixations. And Hooray. we have music. I only like it's nice the music actually, Liam. You put when we uh, have the hyperfixations bit, like the little segue. Like it. I love yeah, it. it's quite chill. I quite like how it's a little bit unhinged as well, which I think yes! suits the section. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> why I like it. <laughs> gonna go first because that's just the kind of person i am yeah so my hyperfixation um is dimension 20 which is a DD role-playing show which hayden got me into (laughs) like i was gonna say hayden will be so pleased to hear this (laughs) well okay so he didn't he didn't get me into it but he was the one who was like you know you should um because they have a a service where you pay monthly and then you can watch all of them. I only I ah. think I only saw them their first campaign that's on YouTube for free, so I watched that. And then Hayden was like, "There's more for five pounds mm-hmm. a month. There's more you can do it." And I was like, "No, I don't have the time. I don't have the time." And he was like, "Okay." And then I had that two weeks when I was ill, and so then I subscribed. And oh my god, I've seen all of them. There's like maybe seven or eight of these long campaigns that are out like 20 hours I would say per campaign and I've seen all of them I got obsessed I got majorly into it That's Brennan incredible. Lee Mulligan wow. is a god He's I a love go- Brennan Lee Mulligan he's oh, very, so very good. good so yeah I, I saw Fancy High I saw Escape from Bloodkeep and Sleeping City uh my favorite is A Crown of Candy which is Game of Thrones um food inspired <laughs> campaign where each like region of um of this map is like inspired by a certain food group and it was <gasps> the drama was unreal i loved it so much um i saw starstruck odyssey and they right now they're doing never after which is like a, a weird fairy tale again Bernie mulligan god absolute like how does he do it i just don't understand and recently literally yesterday they announced that Matt Mercer of Critical Role is going to guest as a GM on Dimension 20 and I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I'm over it. I'm, I just, I can't deal with it. Because like, he's been on D- D- Dimension 20 before as a player, but as a GM, I'm c- losing it, losing it. So yeah, I'm honestly, I'm so, like Hayden's the one as well. I'm always like chilling on my couch after work and he like Twitter DMs me like, oh, did you see this announcement? And I'm, I just... 
I lose my shit. He enables me. He enables me. Because um, I've not caught up with Critical Role and he's like, why aren't you watching? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm watching this, the thing you told me to do. I'm doing that. And he's like, yeah, but you've got like 50 hours of Critical Role to catch up on. And I'm like, I will get to it. I, I swear I will. Just like when I'm done with this 50 hours of this other D&D podcast, like, uh. But yeah, wow. I'm obsessed. It's so good. I think I've said that a lot. It's so good. It's so good. But it is. So. It sounds it. It sounds it incredible. Does sound it. It's, <laughs> it's a portion of the internet I have no experience with, but I am. Uh, my friends have wrangled me and a uh, friend of the podcast, Yolly, um, <laughs> into starting a and d campaign next Ooh. weekend. So Hell yeah. maybe, maybe I've got all this to look forward to in my future. Fascinated to hear how that goes. Yeah, yes. Let us know. <laughs> it's cool. It's so much fun. It's yeah, honestly great. It seems, it. It seems great. Yeah. And like watching like professionals do it is just like it's on another level. But then yeah. everyone's expectations, people have watched the show and people's expectations about their DMs and GMs have like gone through the roof because they expect like this oh. level. Yeah. Like, I've read about that. It's called the Matt Mercer effect. It's like yes. you've got a name and <laughs> Yeah. That's God really funny. damn it. Yeah. But yeah, that's um, what wow. I'm that's what I'm hyper fixating about. How about Very you, Rebecca? Oh, hello. Um, mine is really, really short this week, actually, because I am still, obviously, the the true answer is still Danganronpa <laughs> 2. I'm about halfway through. It's like, I don't oh, play wow. games Ooh. quickly, so this is how you know that I am. I'm between um, a third of the way and halfway through because oh, I'm just that into it. But there's no way to discuss it because one of us has played it, one of us hasn't played it, one of us is halfway through. So I'm not even going to touch on that. What I am going to say <laughs> is, have you guys, This is this is totally different, by the way, Totally different from my usual hyperfixations. Ooh. But have you guys ever eaten mushroom ketchup? Uh, uh, no. no. What? Because I tried what? it for the first time the other day and now I'm obsessed and I try to put it in every meal that I make. Um, oh my God, I'm Googling this. It, is, it isn't actually ketchup, right? The name is misleading. It's more of a, it's more of like a soy sauce consistency, but it, it has that kind of... Um, I would, I would use it in, in situations where you would use like a soy sauce or a Worcestershire sauce, but it's just got that little extra bit of umami taste because of the mushroom. Ooh. And I'm obsessed. I'm putting it in like bolognese and pies and just just anything I make. Now I look at it and I go, can I put mushroom ketchup in that though? Because it's really tasty. That is such Good a good recommendation. <laughs> yes. Good recommendation. And yes. it's vegan as well, Rachel. It's, it's vegan. Hell it's, yeah. It's, um, I'm this is amazing. Shit out of that. It's I did so not know good. That. Like, it's I'm so excited. So tasty. It was like an impulse buy from Tesco a few a few weeks ago. And I saw it in the cupboard and I was like, oh, I hope that's still good. And then I was like, okay, it's good until like August next year, but let's let's just put it in something. Let's let's just go crazy. And then yeah, it's absolutely delicious. And it's one of those things where you're like, just add it to any meal and it really kicks up the flavour. So yeah. Oh, is, I'm gonna try that. It is fair to say I'm a bit fixated on it, to be fair. Yeah, unsurprising. Delicious. You know what I've been obsessed with recently? Mm? Pulled shiitake mushrooms. Ooh, it's like ooh, yeah. a substitute for beef Never in like stir tried. fries and stuff. Goodness yeah. me. Oh, it's so nice. It's you have so to try good. that now. Amazing. Yeah, I'd really recommend it. Yeah, but no one was expecting like the, the hot mushroom chat in this episode. <laughs> but there we go. That's mine. I'm glad we're having it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right, you, Liam? My hyperfixation is also very quick um, because I'm sort of in between loads of things. And I made the mistake in one of the first episodes of recommending Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow before I'd finished it. 
And now I finished it. I oh, wouldn't have yeah. recommended it. Oh, no. So now oh, no. I'm, I'm going to recommend things what I've done. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, we'll have to have a chat afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I finished it recently as well. Oh, did you? Oh, I quite right. enjoyed it, yeah, let's, all, let's all get together. Oh, yes. Did you like it? It was okay. I enjoyed it. There's a, yeah, it goes a bit rogue in, like well. the last third, but... Oh, intriguing. Right? I'm yes, not very really far does. in, so I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> we will reconvene and chat privately about this. So mm-hmm. my hyperfixation is a YouTuber that I've loved for a long time, and I just want to give him a shout out. He doesn't need a shout out from me. He's got hundreds of thousands of subs. He is a guy called Brutal Moose, and he does uh, a lot of what I would describe as cozy videos. He started off as like a like a classic uh, video game reviewer about 10 years ago, and now he's sort of transitioned into... Half of it is in reviewing like American frozen microwave meals or cooking from cookbooks from the 70s. And oh, half wow. of it is him going to arcades and just talking about his time at the arcade. Or he like he reviews malls, which is inherently fascinating to me mm. as like a British person. He'd be like, oh yeah, I went to this mall and they have like shops outside. It's really unique. And I'm there like, my goodness, that's unique. That's incredible. Wow. But his stuff is just like proper... This is probably going to really paint me in a weird light. It's like good <laughs> bath watching content. Like, oh no, I get you. you. Ha- if, yeah, you. like having a bath. You're like, you know, I'm going to put on a bit of brittle mousse. Lovely, lovely, nice, chill vibes. Just soak in the tub, watch him talking about malls in America. Mm, yes, please. <laughs> That's healing to me. So yeah, brittle mousse, get him checked out. Uh, he seems like a sound lad and he makes cool things. That's incredible. Also, are you, two, are you two bath people? when i have the time i hate a bath that's all i'm just surprised absolutely not why do you hate a bath i'd rather be in bed if i want to relax or on the couch yeah i i am a bath guy when i'm feeling ill so i'm literally gonna have a bath straight after this yeah fair lemsip bath a lemsip Lemsip bath bath is a classic classic of the genre Right, okay, guess we're done. Um, let yeah. me do the outro. Probably call it because we're we are already over. 20 minutes past our working day and nearly two hours into this recording. I'm surprised Wizard hasn't come to annoy me for food. I thought he might make a little cameo, but he's just obviously sleeping. Oh. I do have a cat, I swear. I don't believe I, it now. I purposely left the door open so he could like scuttle up. But... <laughs> Apparently not. Okay. So yeah, that's all for this episode. Thanks very much for listening to Indie Discovery. Your support is really appreciated and is massively important. If you'd like to get in touch with the three of us, you can do so by emailing your questions to podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can also chat to like-minded individuals about the wonders of PC gaming over on our Discord server. Link is in the show notes. If you'd like to support the pod, you can also do so by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Please, it really helps out the podcast. So yeah, thanks in advance for that. Um, if you could also tell your friends about the good times you've had with us, that would also be fabulous. For all your PC gaming needs, you can go to rockpapershotgun.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. So until next time, folks, it's goodbye from us. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.